Well, this morning I just want to share, I guess, in, in, in preparation for this morning, um, just what's been, you know, what, I'm, what I've been thinking about how I was going to approach this morning. And um, one of the things that, um, that I think is so, um, well, let's, let's pray first and we'll get started. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much for opening our eyes to see things that have been hidden and now revealed in the scriptures that that are just amazing. Help us learn, help us grow, help us see more and more that we might experience your love, your presence, your greatness, your reality. So that we would be strong in the Lord and in the power of your might. Thank you, Lord, that we are treasures in earthen vessels. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for this reality. I pray you would go before me tomorrow. I mean, uh, this morning, Lord, go before me this morning and help me to articulate speak what you've given me to speak. I pray that the ears would hear. I pray that the hearts would be open. I pray that all hindrances would be removed. I pray for a certain sound to come forth, a clarity of the finished work of Christ, that the saints would be encouraged and comforted. The saints would be strengthened in their inner man, That Christ himself, you who dwell within us, would strengthen us in our inner man. Thank you for your joy and your peace. Thank you, Lord, for opening our eyes to these incredible truths. In Jesus' name, amen. In a nutshell, what I want to try to share this morning out there this morning is um, is this whole concept of what the what Jesus taught and what the apostles taught regarding the power of sin being in our physical bodies, something that is rarely taught, if ever, and something that is rarely understood in the body of Christ. Yet it was. A common teaching among the apostles and among and Jesus himself to teach this incredible revelation of God's ways in that he literally cut away the body of the flesh in spiritual circumcision, Colossians says, and raised the inner man up from the dead, joining us to his own spirit, creating us in a moment into a new being. Born from from above, no longer from below, no longer from Adam's race. As Paul said in the Galatian letter, all that matters is a new creation. To the Galatians, he says, you want a rule, I'll give you a rule. Whosoever is a new creation, mercy and peace be upon him. That's the rule. You must be born from above. You must be a new creation, and only God can do that. And he does it when we respond simply in faith to what Jesus did. When we simply believe that Jesus took away our sin and took our judgment, 
then we literally are translated, the scripture says, from the kingdom of this world into the kingdom of the beloved son. And it's a great mystery. The scripture says great is the mystery of our godliness. It's a great mystery. Um, And people have been uh, reluctant to embrace what the apostles taught about the power of sin in our members. But it's there for all of us to read and study for ourselves. And I tell you what, it's, it's the key to... Um, it's the key. Understanding what God did is the key to this whole issue of condemnation. Because when you really realize that your body is infected, my body is infected with the power of sin, that there is a foreign power in your body that is causing you to think thoughts that the new man would never think and to do things that the new man would never do. As Paul says in Romans 7, the very thing I hate, I'm doing. And the very thing I don't want to do, I do. What is this? And he reveals it to us in Romans 7 and many other places. It's the power of sin that is in my mortal body, in the flesh, in my members of power. God revealed to me, he says, a power that works in my members against my mind. Interesting, the power is not in the mind. The power of sin is not in the mind. It works against the new mind. We now have the mind of Christ. You see it? We now have the mind of Christ. So the power of sin works against the mind. Your real mind, your new mind works against it. That's why the scripture says as long as you're in this body, you will see in part and prophesy in part because we have to work through these bodies, these brains. And there are memory patterns in the brain. There's trauma we've gone through in the past. There are things that affected our brain that we have to live through and work through. But it's not who you are. In the spirit. And when we live by the spirit, that's why Paul says, if you walk in the spirit, you will not f- fulfill the lust of the flesh. Instant, instantaneously, you can move into who you are by simply walking by the spirit. Did you improve? Did you work hard to get there? No. It's a matter of walking in this other reality in seconds. And you've, you and I both experience that. You can be on, in one minute, you can have these, these evil thoughts And the next minute, you're full of love and adoration to God and just full of kindness toward everyone and selfless and, uh, you know, and the next minute you're selfish and you're uh, impatient. I mean, what is this? It's not a civil war is what I'm going to try to say this morning out there. It is not a war. You are not battling yourself. You are not a two-headed monster. You do not have a good side and a bad side. It is not the old man battling the new man. You are not a Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You are not a person with two natures. It is the real you, the new you, that is battling a power that is in your members. The power of sin, Paul says, is in my members. And it filters in to my mind and causes me to think, and, and, and do things that I would not normally do. That's why the scripture says the moment you leave your body, you shall know all things instantly as you are known by God. In the body, we see in part, we know in part, we prophesy in part. Through a glass darkly, we comprehend heavenly realities through these brains. But the moment you leave the body, the scripture says you will know all things instantly even as you are known. 
God gave Paul an experience of this when Paul wrote about it. He said, I, I couldn't tell if I was in the body or out of the body. But God took me up into the third heaven. He took me up to this other dimension, the spiritual dimension. The third heaven means the spiritual dimension. The first heaven is just the atmosphere where the birds fly and the clouds are. Second heaven are the stars. Third heaven is the spiritual realm, the, the, a different dimension altogether that is not of this creation. And God took him into the third heaven, the spiritual realm, free from his body. He said, and he really couldn't tell. He said, I couldn't tell if I was in the body or out of the body. But God allowed me to experience what it's like to be out of the body. And he said, he saw it. He saw it. And he said, and when I got back in the body, if I was out of the body, when I got back in the body, or when I felt like I was back in the body, I couldn't articulate. I couldn't, I can't express how awesome it is. You see, the thing is, you don't have to understand all this stuff. You just have to believe it. You see? If we would just believe God is wiser than us, that God knows what he's doing. And when he says you're a new creation, we don't understand it, but why do I still sin? Why do I still have these feelings? Well, if you really understood it, if I really understood it, I'd see it so clearly. Like, oh, I'd, be, I'd be like... Oh my gosh, the real me doesn't want to sin. First John chapter three, verse nine says the new creation cannot sin because the seed of God abides within the new creation. First John chapter three, verse nine, the, the, the new man cannot sin. Think about it. If the new creation could sin, there would be need for another redemption, another sacrifice, another reconciliation. The new man cannot sin, yet we still sin in these bodies because there is a war between the power of sin, and that's why it's called the flesh. The war, it's, it's called flesh because it speaks of the body. The power of sin is in the body, the flesh versus the spirit. So this it, is so liberating. Isn't this liberating? Yes. So it, it, it handles the, the issue of condemnation because when you do sin, Paul says in Romans 7, it is not I, but sin that dwells in my flesh, Romans 7. So he realizes it's not me. You don't get down on yourself. You realize, wow, that's, that's, that's not the real me doing this. It also helps with your identity, my identity as sons and daughters of God, because you realize, wow, I really am a son of God. A son of God doesn't act like that. That is the power of sin that's warring against me. Even James says, where does all this fighting come? Where does all the wars come? Is it not sin in your members? James himself says it. Paul teaches it. This whole thing about the body having the power of sin. And that's why Christ, that's why God had to condemn sin in the flesh. That's why Jesus had to take on a body. Now, you'll have people say that this is where you've got to be careful because the enemy, the enemy doesn't want you to see this. And so you'll have people that'll say, oh, that's the old Gnostic heresy. And it'll try to shut you down from seeing this. The old Gnostic heresy was they took the truth and they twisted it and they said, oh, I bet that means. And then you know, the enemy used it to say that all matter is evil. Everything you see and touch is evil. It's all evil. And that's not what we're saying. The body is not evil. That's what the Gnostics taught. They taught the body was evil. The body is not evil. That's why Jesus took on a body. Flesh and blood. But the power of sin in the body is evil. That's why he was born of a virgin. The power of sin, the mystery of iniquity, passes through the father's line. It's through the, the seed of the man comes the, the mystery of iniquity. He had to be born of a virgin. His body was free of all sin. He was like Adam in the beginning, innocent. 
with no sin. And so that's why he said, Satan has nothing in me. And so in him, his body was crucified so that the body of sin might be put to death, the scripture says. The body of sin. This mystery is awesome. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, I love this. Um, it says, call unto me. God says, call unto me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things that you know not. I'm telling you, this is one of the key elements of the gospel, the finished work of Christ, to understand how the spirit has been given to help us put to death the deeds of the body, not the deeds of the old man. The Holy Spirit told Paul to write the word body there, not old man. Old man is dead. Your old person is gone. It's impossible for the old man and the new man to coexist. It's impossible. The old man has no resurrection power. The old man doesn't raise its head from the tomb and act accordingly and then say, that's my old man acting. No, the old man has no power to come from the grave. It is the new man that lives now in resurrection power. And it is the power of sin, the residual power of sin that God left in the body that we fight with. It's not a civil war. You're not fighting between your soul and your spirit as it is taught in some places that it's your soul fighting against your spirit. No, the soul and spirit is your inner man, the invisible inner man. The soul and spirit, they're distinguishable, but they're inseparable. They are totally inseparable. You cannot separate soul and spirit in the sense that the inner man. God did not just save your spirit. He's not working on your soul, and one day he'll redeem your body, as is commonly taught in the church. No, God saved your soul. God saved your person. God raised you, me, a person from the dead, a new being, but left me in the shell of the old and quarantined the power of sin in the physical body separating us from sin as far as the east is from the west because we are literally in a different dimension in Christ. If you, if you are in the spirit, you are no longer in the flesh, the scripture says. Awesome. Isn't this awesome? Yeah, I wanted to go and get some of these, my, these plastic eggs we have for Easter out of the attic, and I forgot I put them in storage, so I couldn't go get some. But I wanted to get those, those plastic Easter eggs and get three. You know how they have eggs within eggs within eggs? And what it is, it, a good analogy would be like have a, a big egg and have another egg within that, another egg within that. All right, take all three out. And when we were in the flesh, it's like having the smallest egg would be like your inner man, say it like uh, soul and spirit together. Put that inside the big egg. And that's really how we were before we were born again. We were in the flesh. And our being was dead to God spiritually. We didn't have the life of God in us. We were darkened in our understanding of the things of God. We were in the flesh. Well, when it says you're in the spirit and not in the flesh, what happens is that, that take that middle egg, take the inside, the little small egg, the, the innermost being, put that person inside that, that other egg. And it's like a, a picture of that's what the, the spirit literally has encased you. You're surrounded by the spirit. You are in the spirit. The middle egg would be the spirit who has you now inside. You see it? Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. But the, both eggs are in the big egg still, which is the outer man, the flesh. There's a barrier. There is a barrier that separates you from sin and the flesh 
as far as the east is from the west, you cannot cross the barrier, much like Sheol, that you could not cross in Sheol to Abraham's bosom. You could not cross. And that's a picture of what happens in the inner man. God has literally cut away the body of the flesh. Notice where he cuts, too. He does not cut between spirit and soul. If that teaching was accurate, that your soul is being worked on, your spirit is saved, God's working on your soul, and one day he'll redeem your body, the last part's true. One day he will redeem our body, because that's why the body cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It must be transformed. It must be transformed according to his glorious body, and that will happen. But what, if it was true that God was working on the soul and only save the spirit, then where he cut would be between the soul and spirit, right? Because that's the only way you'd be holy under that theory, under that, theo- under that theology. So he would have to cut between soul and spirit and say, okay, now the spirit's perfect, but I'm working on this out here, the soul. That's not what the scripture says. He didn't cut you in half on the inside. Paul never taught about an inner man that's divided like that. He said the inner man, it's righteous because of the work of Christ. And the outer man, the body, is dead because of sin. Colossians says he cut away where? The body of the flesh. Chapter 3 of Colossians. So he cut away the inner man from the outer man. And so that's what it is. That egg, that second egg is like the spirit. So we are now within the spirit in these bodies. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. And then when we lose the body, that's why when you lose the body... Absence from the body is present with the Lord. There's no work to be done. You're absent from the body, present with the Lord with exceeding joy. Jude says he's able to present you before him with blameless, with exceeding joy, unspeakable. Why? Because he hurries up and finishes what he didn't finish on earth. There is no scripture, no scripture that says that physical death adds anything to the work of Christ. It just releases you from the body. There is no scripture that says God will finish real quickly what he didn't finish on earth before you enter heaven. That's where we got the idea of purgatory. Because people didn't see the truth. So they said, there's no way we can just go right into heaven. I'm still sinning here on earth. There's no way. There's got to be a purgatory. There's got to be a place where he finishes the job and I go through punishment. I go do something. No. Isn't that awesome? That's why this, is, this gospel is amazing. It, is, it, it turns religion on its head. When you really, when, when, I, when I'm, I, I tell you, the half has not been told. You know, Solomon, Bathsheba, not Bathsheba, but uh, who was the queen of Sheba came in to visit Solomon. And she heard of all the things that Solomon had and did. And she came and she said, I want to see for myself. And she saw Solomon's kingdom and his wisdom and riches. And he said, she said, I tell you, Solomon, the half, King Solomon, the half has not been told about you. And I'm telling you, that's the same truth. Why is that recorded in the Old Testament? It's all about Christ. It's all about Christ. That's God's little little note to us in the Old Testament. The half has not been told about my son's work. For all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him. And some people will wonder, they'll say, well, doesn't this take responsibility off the believer? Aren't you just like kind of trying to do this because now it sounds like, oh, I can just say the devil made me do it and I can just live my life any way I want to. That's another trap of the enemy to keep you from seeing truth. Remember, this is God's idea, not mine. This is in the scripture. I'm talking what Paul taught and Peter taught and John taught and Jesus taught. So how does it work? 
I mean, does that, does that make us sin more? I mean, they actually said to Paul, well, Paul, this sounds like let us go sin. The grace may abound. So what, what's, what's the deal here? Well, first of all, don't let the enemy be wise as a serpent, but harmless as a dove. He will hide truth from you because he will say things like this. Oh, he's just saying this. They're just teaching this so they can just sin all they want and, and blame their body on it. Hmm. Sounds like the voice of the serpent in the garden, doesn't it? Has God said you cannot eat of every tree? Oh, God knows if you eat of this tree. Da, da, da. Same old lies. You know what really happens? When we see the truth, it's not a matter of taking responsibility. Have you ever heard of an orange tree that takes responsibility to bear oranges? Do we even think like that? Do we even think that orange tree, you got a responsibility to bear oranges. Orange tree goes, what? What are you talking about? Responsibility. That's who I am. That's what I do. I don't even think responsibility. That's who I am. You know what happens? You and I, Paul said this, when you see the truth, you will be filled with all the fullness of God. When you see this love that did this for us, love did this for us. Love did this for us. This is not just theory. This is not just theology. Love did this. So you wouldn't have to worry anymore about your weakness, about your sins, about my sins. Love did this so that we would see the height and the width and the breadth and the depth of the love of God. And when we see that, we're filled, the scripture says, with all the fullness of God. And saints, when you're filled with all the fullness of God, You're not talking responsibility. You're talking, hey, the love of Christ compels me. You're compelled to love. You can't help but love. And love fulfills all law. If there be any law, love fulfills them all, Paul says. You love yourself enough to take care of yourself. You love your family. You love your friends. You love the church. You love people. You love a stranger. You love. And love works no ill to his neighbor. It's fulfillment of the law. What the law was trying to get man to do, which man can never do because the power of sin was within his flesh. For the power of sin in the flesh is hostile to the law and cannot please God. Cannot. Richard, I see you smiling and taking a deep breath. Isn't that awesome? awesome? Oh, man, I just. Amen. You know, I just, we are on the verge. I believe this, saints. This, the world is on the verge of a huge, it's breaking out everywhere, this truth of the finished work of Christ. We're on the verge of an awesome. See, I believe he's, he has truly let, kept the best for last. That's another little secret. You have, when he turned the water into wine, and they said, you've kept the best wine for last. Usually when you go to a wedding, they serve the best wine first, the scripture says, and then after everybody's drunk. Obviously, he didn't make grape juice. He made real wine. He says, after everybody's 
you know, drunk a little bit. Then you serve the poor wine. They don't, they don't notice as much. But when they first get there, you want the best Cabernet. You want the best Merlot. You want the best. And then after everybody's a little tipsy, just give me whatever, you know, I don't care. But at this wedding, when Jesus turned water into wine, the wine connoisseur, the wedding planner, <laughs> tasted it and said, my God. He's probably thinking $200 a bottle. <laughs> He's thinking, you know, most people do the opposite of this. You, you save the best for last. You sure you want to serve this? What did, where'd you get this? You sure you want to serve this? These people are just, they won't even know. The latter rain, the latter rain will come because of what is said. The spirit fell in the book of Acts because of what was said. Sin for Peter. He has words for you, Cornelius. And his words were about this Jesus. And the spirit fell. But I'm telling you, saints, God is going to open the doors to revelation and understanding of the full revelation of the finished work of his son. And that will bring words like today. I'm speaking words from spirit revelation to words. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And that brings the spirit. The power of the spirit will will be poured out in a great way. I believe we're going to see God wants to confirm the word of his grace with signs and wonders. He confirms the word of his grace with signs and wonders, not the word of the law. Not the word of condemnation, not the word of, of uh, you know, doing your best to fix yourself and not the word of psychology, not the word of, of uh, you know, man's way. And there'll be opposition. You know, that's the scripture says the word of the kingdom comes and those who don't understand it. See, there's something to understand. See, right there, that should tell you something. The word of the kingdom comes. And there's those who don't understand it. So obviously it's not the word of the kingdom is not like, you know, don't commit murder, don't commit, don't steal, don't lie, don't covet. They understand that. We understand that. Natural man understands the law. The word of the kingdom, the mystery of the kingdom is, has nothing to do with law. It's a revelation of Christ. It's a revelation of his work. So when the word of the kingdom comes, J- Jesus says, some hear it and they don't understand it. They don't understand the word of the kingdom. They don't get it. And the enemy comes and takes it and steals it away. The birds come and take that seed because they never really understood it. And then some get it, and they go, oh, and with great joy, they, they're excited about it. Obviously, that's not a law they're getting. They're excited. They're full of joy. The word of the kingdom, this is awesome. This is unbelievable. But pressure from the world, the scripture says, and they don't allow it to go deep within them, and they're more afraid of maybe losing their, their friends or, or being kicked out of the church or whatever. And they wilt away. That's what he's talking about. This revelation. The word of the kingdom is awesome. This other reality. I used to think, you know, what? I used to think, man, the work of God, it, it, it seems like it's not all it was, it's been made out to be. You know, yeah, I'm, I, I believe I'm forgiven. and But... I mean, when I sin, I do good here, you know, I walk in the spirit, then I sin, when I walk in the flesh. I mean, I mean, is that, 
am I really, am I really any different? Am I, am I really changed? I mean, is that, that's it? I mean, like this civil war, you know, between inside myself, you know, Because you see yourself as having two natures. Because men taught you that, that you have two natures. You, men have taught you that that's a, it's a war within yourself. And, you know, like two dogs are fighting. They, you know, you hear preachers talk this. Two dogs are fighting. You, who, which dog's going to win? Uh, the dog you feed. So feed the dog that, you know, feed the good dog and you'll win. No, that's not, that's not, that's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. It's not two dogs fighting and you feed the dog that you want to win. So you read your Bible and you study and you pray and you go to church and... But when you see this, you see how glorious his work is. And it doesn't lead to more sin. Contrary to religious thinking. Contrary to the natural man's way of thinking. God chooses the foolish to confound the wise. The weak to confound the strong. You know what they said about the children of Israel when he was, he was, he was bringing them into the promised land? And the elders, they said... Uh, they said, we can't, we can't take this land. There are giants in the land. And we talked about that before, how they, they saw themselves through the eyes of the giants. The giants said, in fact, Israel said, in their eyes, we were as grasshoppers. And so they, they saw themselves as the giants saw them. Well, the giants in the land is a picture of this whole thing, this whole truth about the power of sin in the body. The giants in the land is a picture of the power of sin in the body. There are no giants in heaven to fight. Contrary to a lot of wrong teaching out there that, hey, one day we're going to go to the promised land, land filled with milk and honey. When we leave this body, we're going to heaven. No, the promised land is Christ right now in the spirit. But in the flesh, there are giants that want to keep you from possessing the land and enjoying who you really are in Christ. And so these guys that saw themselves through the eyes of the giants, they said... They said, um, we can't do this. And our children will be just ravished. We'll, we'll, all our kids are going to die if we, we try to do this. This is what God said. He said, because you didn't believe that I could do this, you're not going to see this land. Forty years you'll wander in the desert. But I'll bring your children in. I'll bring the children in that you said would be a prey. P-R-E-Y. That would be a prey in this land. I'll bring them in. The children. And this is so cool. This verse here. The children that have no knowledge of good or evil. You see what God's saying? Hidden again. Hidden in the scriptures again is the truth. It's not about the law. You elders that think this won't work, God says, watch me. I'll bring your kids in. And they have no knowledge of good or evil. And they will not be a prey. Because you didn't believe that I was able. Because you didn't look at reality like Joshua and Caleb looked. Because Joshua and Caleb looked at themselves as God sees them. And they said, they, those giants, are bread for us. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those who believe him.
Lord, thank you so much for helping us see these things. God, it's so awesome. We will be teachers of others. We will be teachers of others. We will be teachers of others. Many will see this. Thank you, Lord. Bring the rain. Bring the rain, Father. The enemy has tried his best to derail us, to discourage us. Oh, God, bring the rain. I pray, Lord, for a clear word this morning. I, Lord, Lord, I pray that the, that the saints would be open, that they would hear. Prepare our hearts, Lord. Thank you for the power of your spirit, Lord, to teach these things. For who can know the thoughts of God but the spirit of God? Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the mind of man what God has prepared for those who love him. But you, Lord, have revealed these things to us by your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we pray that you just bring revelation to us this morning, to the people this morning, to your people, that we would see as you see, that we'd see from the Spirit and the Spirit eyes. We just pray for James right now. We just agree together that you release your Spirit in fullness today, in power today, in mighty, mighty, mighty power, Lord. We we know, we have experienced the revelation. In Thank you, yes, Jesus. Lord, we do, and we see, we see, and we say, Lord, yes. bring that upon this body that we can continue yes. to give it away. Yes. And give it away and point people to the truth because it is the truth yes. that sets us free. Yes. You are. You are. Lord, allow people to see who you are and who they are in you today as never before. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, in your name. Yes. Amen. Amen. Amen.